Extra, extra, extra! Welcome to Revolutionary Podcast Utena, where one kind of expert and one total newbie watch Revolutionary Girl Utena and talk about it for your enjoyment. Hey, I'm Randy. And hey, I'm Jared, and this is where I say, Go guy, go guy, go guy! <laughs> I love how enthusiastic you are for it. It's well, the best. They, they don't say it anymore in the show, so I have to say it. No, it's all Kashira, Kashira stuff which oh is, have you heard have you heard the oh. extra 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 stuff was black rose arc only oh well i liked that one because uh <laughs> no more crashing ships into buildings in that arc they they were just all like here's the news now it's here's the rumor mm-hmm. uh so if you're new to this i don't know why you'd be starting at episode 10 but that's fine um <laughs> nice. we're going through the entirety of revolutionary girl utina the show and the film uh and we will be talking about it uh, a couple episodes at a time we will be talking spoilers for those episodes but not in the future because that's how linear time works and jared hasn't seen the show before so it would be mean for me to spoil things for him well randy thinks i haven't seen this show before but <gasps> that'd be quite the reveal. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I should say, yeah, I have not seen any of this series except for the first 30 episodes now. <gasps> That's right. That's how far we've made it. Um, and if you'd like to watch the show with us, uh, I definitely suggest that you do. You can find it at Nozomi Entertainment's YouTube channel, uh, except for the movie. The same deal for Funimation Now and Crunchyroll. You can watch the TV show there, but not the film. Um, but you can also pick up the Blu-rays of the TV show and the film, released by Nozomi Entertainment on Right Stuff, Amazon, or wherever else you get your anime. Uh, Jared, you ready to dive into our set of three episodes this time? Oh, Yes. Good deal, because we're starting things off. Episode 28, Whispers in the Dark, which aired October 8th, 1997. Jared, why don't you tell us what happened here? It's a part one of a part two. Yeah. All right. So Ruka, the former fencing team captain and Drury's mentor, comes back to Atori after a long absence and resumes his position as fencing captain. As Jury comes to terms with his return, Shiori is quick to realize Ruka's connection to Jury and begins to date him. Ruka becomes involved with the duels and picks Shiori to be his rose bride, but he has his own agenda that does not involve her at all. Mm-mm. Nope. Uh, this episode was storyboarded by Toru Takahashi, who previously or and futurely worked on uh, Azamanga Dayo, Cheese Sweet Home, Death Note, and Evangelion. Quite the swath of things there. Uh, it was also directed by Toru Takahashi. Uh, written by Ryoe Tsukimura, who worked on Blue Seed, El Hazard, Noir, and uh, Tenchi. Uh, animation supervised by Kunihiro Abe, who worked on Oh My Goddess the Movie, Armitage 3, Azamanga Dayo, Evangelion Rebuild 1.0, and just a butt-ton of Gundam stuff. <laughs> Let's first dive into our director commentary from series director Ikuhara, and then we'll talk about the episode in general. Uh, Ikuhara says, Shiori's character is the embodiment of Jury's weak point. That weak point is love. Breaking apart the other person. That means controlling the other person's life. Bending it to your own imaginings in the real world. It's an ultimate form of romance. I would disagree with every word in that, in that statement, but, you know, um, well, I guess not the Shiori's character is the embodiment of Jury's weak point, and that is love, because that is how Jury can become undone, is, is Shiori. But, uh, Jared, what did you have to say about this episode? What do you got for your notes? Well, if she has any other weakness, we don't really know what it is, because 
she's such a strong character and this is really the one thing that unravels it all for her, right? Mm-hmm. So I can agree with what this director has put together for us for the commentary, <laughs> at least to the point of, of Jury's character. Because, I mean, we haven't really ever seen her be weak beyond this, I don't believe. No. Um, yeah. But my notes are, well, that it was kind of surprising. I mean... Ruka, I don't think they ever really talked about Ruka much before. They talked about the guy. There's like, there was a boy and he was this and that. And here's this cool frame of the chair where there's kissing and this and that. Mm-hmm. Oh, we've seen that a few times, but. But they are actually, not the same person. They're not? I thought they were. No. Nope, that was a different boy who was very plain looking. Okay. It was kind of confusing because they actually put that. I don't know if it was this episode or the next episode because it was a two-parter, but they put that frame back in. And I yeah. was like, oh, there's, they're implying it's that guy. But really, it's it's all about Shiori, isn't it? Um, right. A history of Shiori's behavior. Yeah. I was actually wondering that because Ruka seemed way too dashing to be like this guy in the chair or whatever that was. Right. Anyways. Um, <laughs> Ruka's, Ruka's back, even though we never seen him before. Uh, <laughs> he's back for the first time. He's back and he's dashing. Uh, he also knows about end of the world. Yes. He just like shows up and he like, you know, he's like, yo, I'm back on student council or I just come up here cause I can, cause I can do whatever I want. Well, he's wearing a very you know, fancy outfit, which is kind of like how the student council rolls. They don't wear the usual uh, uh, uniforms. And he's got a duelist ring. Yeah. Well, he's been gone for a while because of an illness. They don't right. really talk about it much. He doesn't seem to be too ill. Like, if he is sick, they don't show it. They just mm-hmm. say that he's like, I'm back. And everyone's like, cool, what are you going to do? Are you going to go, like, duel? Because that's, like, what you do in this anime. And mm-hmm. he, he's like, no, I, I'm just going to sit back and relax until he finds himself sitting back in that car. Yep. <laughs> the life-changing car. The life-changing car that gives you the power to overcome your illness, whatever it is. <laughs> so, Juri says to Ruka to keep your hands off Shiori. Yes. Because, you know... Jury's just like, I'm a good friend to Shiori. That's all this is. Ha ha. <laughs> and I know you're no good. Oh, yeah. No good at all. And then, like, Jury tells Shiori to stay away from Ruka. Like, she's just, like, interjecting everywhere she can, right? Yeah. So, we get that awesome car scene, which I was waiting for, like, all day. I was just <laughs> like, when we watch this show, I'm going to be able to see Akio jump on the front of this freaking moving car. <laughs> It was so good. It was so good. But he does that. And uh, we had Shiori in the car, too, right? So uh, Yes. Yes. Uh, For a very sensual things. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm coming to a blank on... I just I just remember Akio jumping on the front of that car in this moment. <laughs> um, you forgot that suddenly Shiori was without a shirt, and then they were both like, "Oh yeah, moaning into the night." That's right. They were just making love kind in the back seat while Akio's chilling on the hood. <laughs> yeah, was Toga there too? I can't remember. <laughs> um, he introduces uh, them to the car. Then he does not join them. Right. Well, the duel finally happens. <laughs> yes as, <laughs> as we are needed to do we are contractually obligated to now after a car ride have a duel and 
the duel's going on, and it looked like Ruka was going to go after Anthe. Right. And, and Utena sensed that. I think Ruka was looking for Utena's weakness, which has to do with that weakness of love and stuff again, or or something, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. But Ruka, Ruka found it. And then Utena went after Shiori, who was driving. She was driving that car around the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we get this moment. Uh, it was really kind of neat that Utena did that. And then, obviously, Ruka lost. And, like, we have a very desperate uh, Shiori who is just like, hey, like, I'm still your number one girl, right? Like, I polished your sword every day while you were sick for, I mean, a super long time. I mean, wasn't she gone? Wasn't she gone from the school, too, for a while? Uh, yeah, Shuri, uh, Shiori had left for whatever <sighs> reason and then transferred back. Yeah, they always do. I think it's just Akio is like, yo, I'm going to write you a letter. I need you to come back to this school and mess up things for Utena. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, and then it's revealed that it wasn't like Ruka's sword that she was polishing. And um, it seems like, was she already just like adapting to the situation? Like just lying about it that she was doing that? or um, I would assume so. I don't believe that she has always been in love with Ruka. It's just that she sees that uh, Ruka and um, Juri have some some repertoire. So of course Shiori has to throw herself at Ruka to just be horrible to Juri, like she did with the uh, boy from before. Yeah, because yeah, because she's like, oh, I'm gonna go out with him because we're in love, and then like, oh, actually, we didn't uh, didn't work out super well, and I wasn't really super interested in him anyway. Um, and that was mean of me, but too bad. That's who I am. Yeah. So as far as I'm concerned, they both deserve each other. <laughs> what did you think of this episode overall? Like, I, I thought it was super solid uh, for what it was. I, I did not know it was a two-parter until, like, you know, the next episode, next on, mm-hmm. next week on Revolutionary Girl Lieutenant Part 2. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, there's more intense romance. Um, yeah. But I thought it was pretty solid. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. The one thing that um, I have I'm unclear about, even still after watching it, is uh, how that duel concludes. Because, like you said, it seemed like Ruka had figured, oh, uh, if I can get to Anthe, then that's her her weakness. So he like goes for it, and then Uten is like, oh, I'm gonna go try something else, and he she leaps. And then we cut to Shiori screaming before she crashes the car. She didn't crash into Ruka, as we've seen the last few episodes, where the duelist is also knocked out. So she was just crashed into the wall, and he was just standing there, but his rose was uh, taken off. So it's like, did she did she attack Shiori? Did she attack Ruka? And then Shiori was so thrown off by uh, him losing that she crashed the car? Like, it's unclear. So there's been a mystery with a lot of the endings of the duels where we we typically know pretty much what happened. It's been pretty easy to figure it out. But there has been this moment where the camera turns away. It's like it doesn't ever want to show the car crash. Mm -hmm. Um, We keep on hearing the streaks of the tires, uh, you know, the brake on the tires. We keep Mm -hmm. seeing the lights swerve that Akira style swerve where the white light just goes. Um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but we don't see exactly what happens. I didn't really... I guess I didn't even know if I noticed that uh, Ruka's <laughs> rose was destroyed. I just feel like it was like, a, <laughs> oh, of course, of course, it just 
blew off in a bunch of pieces. Um, I just I had the impression that Utana went after uh, Shiori, and that's just totally what messed up everything. And in that car accident or whatever, um, something happened and he lost his rose. But it, it's definitely not that clear. I'm going to assume that she didn't attack Shiori because, <laughs> granted, there's no uh, referee here, but I'm pretty sure attacking the the bride is against the rules, even if it's a pseudo bride and not Anthe. You know, your duel is against the other person, so you should fight against them. And Utana is very chivalrous and, like, you know, to will do things by the book. So I don't see that happening. I think it was just while he's distracted with Anthe, she went in for the attack. And then, then that shocked Shiori seeing him lose. And then she okay. crashed. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm going to settle on that. It's viable, but, man, I wish it kind of showed what happened. Right. Um, <laughs> it's just, like... It really, it implied it. I can't remember if it was the face that Utena made. Like, Utena, she she realized right. that Anthe was going to be a target mm-hmm. because Ruka figured it out, it seems. Um, that she was, like, protect. Because, like, Utena jumps in front of Anthe or something and, you know, almost yeah, has like, definitely her had, to, like, get back. But She definitely had a reaction, and I'm not sure if it's, oh, no, he's going to attack Anthe and I'm going to protect her, or this is my chance while he's busy trying to figure this out and, you know, yeah. deducing that Anthe might be my weakness. So I got to go in while I can, but yeah, it's, it's unclear. And for whatever reason, we're not meant to see exactly what happened. There's probably someone out there who knows the answer to this. Maybe our <laughs> listeners know they can True. Just, <laughs> just message us. Tell us what happened. <laughs> yeah. Hit, hit us up and tell us where we screwed up there. But yeah, overall, I thought it was a very solid episode. I mean, we introduced a whole new character to this student council that's been established (laughs) since episode one. Right. And just threw everything up in the air. But it led into the next episode, which was crazy. Uh, Episode 29, Azure Paler Than the Sky, which aired October 15th, 1997. Uh, What was this episode? What was this crazy one about? After barely losing against Utena and dumping Shiori in front of the entire school, Ruka believes he has found the secret to winning the duels, the strength of the relationships between the duelists and their respective brides. He goes through a series of strategies to unleash the strength and selflessness Juri once had before her ill-fated love for Shiori distorted her self-perception and stopped her from growing. This episode was storyboarded by Mamoru Hosoda, who worked on things like Wolf Children and Summer Wars and the upcoming Bell. Actually, I got my tickets today for Bell for uh, wow. the weekend that it comes out. I'm very excited. Wow. Directed by Yoshiaki Iwasaki, who worked on El Hazard, Hayate the Combat Butler, Love Hina, and Tenchi Universe. Uh, written by Ryoe Tsukimura, who we had brought up before, worked on Blue Seed, El Hazard, and Tenchi. And animation supervised by Nobuyuki Takeuchi, who worked on Berserk, the 90s show, not the new CG one. Um, the Cat Returns, Magic Users Club, Penguin Drum, which is Ikuhara's next anime after this, and the second Madoka Magica movie. Hmm. And we've got a director commentary from series director Ikuhara, and it goes as such. The boy who does nothing but transfer schools... The boy who was supposed to be gone came back. He was always appearing at the same specific time. Frankly, I don't like him. He always he always prods mercilessly at the exact places I don't want prodded. One day I'd noticed that I'd changed. I'd always hated myself so passionately, but somewhere along the line that suffering had vanished. 
Uh, was that his doing? Even if it was, though, I still hate him. And somewhere along the line, he's left again. People say he changed schools. At a hospital, I dropped by to visit a sick friend. I overheard the nurses talking. It sounded like one of their patients had died. Apparently, at a specific, uh, certain specific time, he always used to slip away from the hospital and go someplace else. Where? He told the nurses, I go to visit someone dear to me, and he left a request with his family. If I die, please don't tell anyone. It couldn't be. It couldn't. I mean, he transferred schools. I'm sure I'm just overthinking this. I'll be waiting for him, my dear him, to transfer back here. I created an episode around that incident. What? So, I'm assuming <laughs> that he got this idea from hearing about somebody else dying in a hospital and having a very sad story, which, I mean, that's a good way to do it, I guess. You know, right I mean, I'm, I'm rereading this commentary very quickly, and I'm like, did this actually happen to him? Like... Perhaps huh. he I was mean, being prodded in all the wrong places. They didn't want to be, and sometimes, like the commentary's tone, always switches from like "There's this movie I saw" or from the perspective of the main character of the episode. And sometimes it's actual like development commentary, and then it's things like this. Like, was this an actual story? Were you just being dramatic? Like, what was? Oh wait, it's like here? he shifts tone halfway through in his commentary. People say that this person changed schools, and then he goes to at a hospital. I dropped by to visit a sick friend. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, okay. He probably saw it <laughs> on a poster. You know, he was looking at a poster. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well. Um, so what do you got for, for this one then, Jared? Well, first of all, I don't know if it was Mamoru Soda's storyboards mm-hmm. or who who did what. Maybe it was the animation supervisor, Nobuyuki Takuchi, but there was something here. There were some standout moments with the animation um, oh yeah in particular shiori's face uh mm-hmm. shiori's face peeking through the door was just like top-notch yeah crazy keyframe like they put a lot of budget in that and then they mm-hmm. had like very noticeable animations especially near the end of the episode where you like ruka was taking out the sword was suddenly like intensely drawn yeah they had a lot of that where um, like qu- slow tilting of the head. Jury did that, and I think Ruka did that too when they had a moment as they were talking. Mm-hmm. The moment where he forces a kiss on her and stuff. Um, yes. But there was like slow, like turning towards each other, like really cool moments um, that we've rarely seen. And mm-hmm. you could tell, like, it was not just like the character in the center of the frame it was also the background animation was different the um the quality like it was all upped for like a few different moments but especially the ending and then mm-hmm. i was like oh it's only going to be this one this one shot and then they would cut away for a moment and then they would cut back and it would change a bit but it was still like super high quality and i'm like who who did that who who animated that so much differently you know yeah it's definitely a, a hard shift and i'm I'm not sure if it's just we had more time to work on these points uh, or if we switched to a different animation supervisor or key animator for these parts. But yeah, something is different in those shots. Yeah, we'll have to hit up the the random Sakuga Twitter and see if there's like any (laughs) um, any Any indication. Sometimes people have it. They actually pinpoint like short moments of who did what. It's pretty neat. Mm -hmm. But... So, yeah, we had Desperate Shiori making a scene in the beginning. I guess I wasn't expecting that um, for it to be so public that she wanted Ruka back. 
Um, mm-hmm. And he's just like, no, and walks away. Um, and everyone's just watching. So that happens, and that kind of sets the tone for this episode. Yeah. You have another moment where Anthe is in bed with Utena, and she has something to say, but she once again hides the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen that once or twice before. Like, I mean, what what do you think she's hiding? I know you've seen this, but like from, from right. what we've seen so far, I mean, she's hiding something. I, I mean, it, I guess it's about how she feels, or is she trying to like get out something more relevant to the overall plot to Utena? Like, you're just being used, or this is all a ruse, or mm-hmm. I mean, it could you. be a, a a large number of things. Yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's uh it's rough there's a lot in this episode that uh uh happens like we have that whole first duel with uh jury and ruka to you know to get what they want she wants him to leave uh shiori alone and he wants her basically to do as he says which is of course going to lead to having her be his bride for the duel but that uh that whole scene like you'd brought before of him forcing himself on her to kiss her and she like i bites his lip which is like good call jury that's a good way to you know fight that off like that was all very intense like character moments that you know don't involve our main characters which is very neat and fun yeah it seemed like so uh jury was trying to get shiori well trying to get ruka to go back to shiori now it because shiori is broken without him right and then when that kissing scene happens where he just forces good old assault mm-hmm. on her uh grabs that uh necklace from her and they don't really show him open the necklace but obviously it's implied that he knows the secret now mm-hmm. so this some 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 of these moments happen so quickly that I I actually kind of had a hard like a hard time piecing some of the motivations together because mm-hmm. then it, then it starts to lead into the duel that you just mentioned where I wasn't it that if uh, she won that he would go back to Shiori and if he won she would do whatever he wants yes right so it wasn't that he would be like leaving her alone it would just be like that he's going back to Shiori to. Mend the broken heart, or whatever that was about. Right, because, uh, or are you talking about, like, what his desire for the power of miracles is, or? I guess so. I, I missed a little bit somewhere in here, but, yeah, I, it, it was just so much, like, crazy character stuff happening all at once, that I'm like, wait, what? We went to, like, <laughs> we went from Shiori being, like, ultra depressed to, like, different, almost voice actor type sounds in her room, with that menacing look on her face to to like the kissing scene and then we get into the duel and then it's also the car scene and i'm like oh you know they didn't actually like show the full the full duel at first they just kind of showed this moment where jury has to go in the car because she lost and i was like wait oh she did lose i thought maybe she won (laughs) but nope nope yeah it's you know, it's not, there's a lot of intense moments in this episode, and I think definitely a standout one in terms of both like our character interactions and our, our you know reveals of things, as well as like the action uh, was super great. And then the the whole big thing at the end that ties into our director's commentary of like, yeah, Ruka died. He was going to the hospital for uh, an illness, and then uh, he snuck out to come back to school to try and win the power of miracles 
uh, so that way he could free a girl that he loved, which uh, I assume the whole point of that was to free Juri from the hold that Chiori has on her heart, because Juri loves somebody she probably shouldn't, because Shiori is a horrible human being. <laughs> Not sure if you said this or if it was implied if you said it in this episode or the last episode for this, but that, what was it? Her love for Shiori was holding her back? Uh, was not me saying it, but I that, think that was sounds in the series. correct. Sounds like, I mean, it was in the series or something. Hmm. Uh, yeah, that was the vibe I got, was that that was holding her back. Um, I can't remember if that was implied as, like, she could be such a better fighter, uh, or if it was just, like, an overall analysis of her. So... It was a really cool battle, like the duel that happened up on top there. So we have these moments where Jury's necklace is broken off. So, yes. you know, Utena does that. Instead of hitting the, the rose, hitting the flower on Jury, Utena hits the necklace. And it just, like, shatters. And it goes all the way, like, you know, it flies across the arena. And it's just like, this cool moment where... It's almost like Jury's just like heartbroken, right? She's like walking mm-hmm. towards it. It's like it starts to rain. She pulls that flower off of her chest and just drops it. And we get this cool like raining uh, moment. I thought that was mm-hmm. a really cool turn of events. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just a really great shift in the story. And like, yeah, we I think we even heard like some rumbling of thunder before everything started to come down. Mm. So I was wondering, I made a note that I was wondering if. So it starts to rain, and then the cars are, their windshield wipers are going. And mm-hmm. I started to be curious if, like, right now the stage is like a reflection of the duelist that's up there. Mm. I, you know, can't really tie it into each instance of these vehicles being up there. But you have these, like, these kind of like outlandish, like, willy nilly characters sometimes driving this car around. And right. you have the duelist actually fighting and you have a, this weird stuff going on. But I'm curious. I mean, that would have to do with the uh, – it has to kind of do with like the supporting character driving the cars and being like, yeah, you've got this. You're awesome. Keep fighting. Whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. Was it Kozue and Miki? Is that it? Like Kozue was doing yep. the same thing. Um, it's like almost like a support role to some degree um, and then a distraction for that one. But basically like – I'm wondering if the stage sort of adapts to some of the feelings of the characters um, mm-hmm. or if this, this might've just been like a, you know, artistic freedom. Uh, but I really enjoyed that element of the rain coming down. That was really neat. Oh yeah, absolutely. Cause yeah, it looked like when they had the, the long shot that there was just that shaft of rain that was only on the stage and nowhere oh, yeah. else. So I think it was, you know, definitely an indication of this is this is pretty uh, localized. <laughs> that was <laughs> says the budget of the battle. Um, <laughs> the, the prince, the prince who's presumably up there in the castle, he, he's the one. <laughs> he's the one just turning on lights, shutting off lights, turning on rain. <laughs> he's the one Look. who he fixed the gondola. He didn't tell anybody. He's basically the custodian. <laughs> like nobody knows what's going on. He's just. He's just there fixing things, turning on, whatever. Right. Oh, man. Uh, but then we had that last shot of uh, Jury walking into the sunset and Shiori follows after her. And part of me is like, oh, are they actually getting together? And the other part of me is like, you know who Shiori is. She's probably going to go be all buddy-buddy until they run into another boy. And then she's going to go 
be a torturous asshole with him. Right. So, I don't know. I don't I don't have high hopes for a jury to have escaped uh her her bondage of this love with this horrible person, but Yeah, I, I can't I mean, unless we get another episode between now and the ending of the last arc uh with jury, I can't see a resolution to this except for she's caught in like a repeating feeling. Mhm. Which is interesting because well, first, I, I just want to say that, like, these episodes are some, I think, some of my favorite so far. Like, mm. there was a moment where you were just like, are you still with me, Jared? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I wasn't I, sure if you were I was, still connected on the call or if you were absorbed in the show. I get absorbed into shows sometimes when they're, they really pull me in. And that happened in this episode. And um, I took notes and everything, but uh, it was such, I think it was really cool storytelling. It was really well done. Um, yeah. And what I was getting at there a moment ago was that, you know, we see this person who cannot escape this love, like this repeating, like, mistakes of being in love with someone they really shouldn't be. Because mm-hmm. one thing we we said, well, also, I, I believe it was the episode before this when uh, Juri tells Shiori to stay away from Ruka and Shiori, like, Shiori just tells Juri, like, how awful she is and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So just wanted to bring that up from that classroom moment yeah but so we see like this cycle of just not great relationship <laughs> to the next episode where um between akio and and, and utena where they you know it's like a new budding of emotions right it's like such a shift mm-hmm. it's like oh we went from this tone with jury to these tones so i think we need to keep that <laughs> caution up for the next episode <laughs> yeah um, before we move on to that, I wanted to bring up something else that I had read about that, you know, we have Jury who's in this repeating pattern of always like doing whatever it is for Chiori to be happy in hopes that, you know, one day she'll come around and she'll come to her and that'll be her miracle that she's gotten. And then I had brought up before that, like, man, Miki is falling for Kozue's bullshit all over again, <laughs> like before. And the thing that I had read was about the Shadow Girl plays which for this arc always starts with the UFO crashing into that building. Right. And they had brought up the theme of this arc, especially for these duelists is, uh, crashing into a wall that they cannot overcome. Miki can't get like, can't escape his sister being a manipulative jerk. Uh, jury cannot get over loving a person who is awful to her. So it's like, Oh, that's super interesting (laughs) of, looking at things that way and uh i don't know just kind of put a new spin on that that mickey and kozue episode and then you know added to this chiori and and jury one yeah it's like all of these characters are flawed to some level and they can't get away from it no Um, we haven't been able to see them get out of it and it's even kind of acknowledged when uh when what is it uh let's see ruka gets in the car again we get another car scene Mm mm-hmm and he's just like, yeah, you know, I knew I couldn't win. And Toga's there. Yeah. With his shirt undone. And he's just like, hey, <laughs> I know you want to look at my chest right now, but I got to talk to you about my reaction to you saying that. And he's just like, <laughs> he's just like, what? Nani? You you can't, you didn't think you were going to win this duel? And he's just like, yeah, no, I like, my name is, you know, Ruka. I just came back to, you know, 
try to do some stuff, but it wasn't, you know, I, I couldn't get done what I thought I could get done. And, uh, the, you know, Utena is really powerful. So no, it's not going to happen. LOL. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of like all that was, like, you mm-hmm. know, is that they can't like surpass this, these moments, um, even though yeah. they try. Right. Um, do you have anything else on this episode before we move on? Nope. Just okay. that. Well, just that, that song, the song that plays every time that that car and Toga's like, do you hear the car? And it <laughs> has like this, this cool moment. I don't know if it's arpeggios or what it is. And I'm like, yeah. And then once the car like arrives and the song changes, I'm like, no, the song's not as good anymore, but it's hilarious. <laughs> People are like, what's that sound? Oh my God. It's so funny. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's like they've never heard a car before. Um <laughs> Yeah. Like, yeah. And the car is always summoned in a strange place. Sometimes even Toga is there when he wasn't there in the first place. Like when uh, Ruka tell Ruka is the one that summons it of do you hear that sound? And Jerry's like, What? And then suddenly Toga's there. He's like, Let's all get in the car. And then he doesn't get in the car with them. <laughs> yeah. He, I can't I think it's funny that they keep showing like awkward shots of the car. Like it was in the school hallway. It was in the <laughs> yep. hallway. It was in the fountain. I just think that this whole anime is a, um, it's probably a fever dream. <laughs> I think it's like, what if, what if this is, I don't know what I was watching recently. I mean, maybe it was this show. Um, <laughs> no, no, I was watching, well, it's the holiday season. I was watching a bunch of, um, a Christmas Carol and, mm-hmm. uh, Ebenezer Scrooge just keeps blaming all of his like visions on eating like a undercooked piece of meat. <laughs> or something i'm like what if this is just utena you know she went to go eat eat something and uh it just wasn't cooked right and she had this bad fever dream and and uh i i don't know there's something going on <laughs> especially since that second arc had so much that was like questioning was this real was there an mm-hmm. elevator what happened to soji like all of these things like that are real that are not real people can't remember people not aging like what happened with this dude who got sick you know he leaves and he comes back (laughs) but like did he age did he not age is it only certain people that age there's so many random things that haven't really been tied into the overall plot like as like a resolution yet but right um, i i don't know i guess (laughs) That's what I have to say after the end of episode 29, apparently. <laughs> well, uh, let's uh, take a break, and then we're going to jump into the last episode of our, our little bit here with episode 30. Okay, we're back and we're going to tackle this last episode, uh, episode 30, The Barefoot Girl, which aired October 22nd, 1997. Jared, what was this one all about? Utena realizes what she has denied for a long time. She's fallen in love with Akio. As Akio's courtship of her becomes both overt and subtly sinister, Utena agonizes over loving an engaged adult and feels like she is betraying her, her prince and Anthe. 
This episode was storyboarded by Takuya Igarashi, who worked on Blue Exorcist, Cutie Honey Flash, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, Oranai Host Club, and Sailor Moon. It was directed by Katsushi Sakurabi, who worked on a, ma- a Certain Magical Index, A Little Snow Fairy Sugar, Love Hina, and One Punch Man. Uh, written by uh, series veteran uh, Yoji Enokido, who also worked on Bungo Stray Dogs, Evangelion, Razafon, Redline, and Sailor Moon. Uh, and animation supervised by Hisashi Kagawa, who worked on Chrono Crusade, Code Geass, Dragon Ball Super, the original Full Metal Alchemist, Gon Kotsuo, oh, Dada yeah. Quantum, Initial D, Love Hina, Magic Users Club, and Sailor Moon. Oh, um, man. Have you ever seen Gon Kotsuo? <laughs> Count of Monte Cristo? Uh, it's on my shelf, and I haven't watched it yet, but I know what it looks like, and it's incredible. Yeah, I actually own like a special print special set of prints from that series that was only released at like the gallery of fantastic art um i don't remember how i got my hands on actually i do remember but it is amazing (laughs) not that that has much to do with this (laughs) because a lot of these episodes kind of carry along where they look similar i mean that's like that's the point right is that you have someone overseeing it but there are moments like that one that mamara hosoda like was a part of holy crap Mm -hmm. that jury episode (laughs) was crazy right that we just talked about but uh yeah there's some standout people who've worked on these shows for sure oh yeah uh series director ikuhara his commentary for this one is pretty short and it just says i decided to live true to myself living true to yourself means living as an alien However, even the alien craft we call UFOs sometimes lose control and crash into things. I'm not talking about the Shadow Girls here. <laughs> um, what does sure. that have to do with this? <laughs> well, Utena decides to live her truth and give in to the fact that she's she an alien. Lodakio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's an alien here. I think there's right. something weird. Well, she's the only like uh, transfer student that has stuck around the longest so far. So, she is kind of an alien. I think what's going to happen is, at the end of this arc, the Akio's going to be driving that car, <laughs> and his face is just going to open, and it's an android. <gasps> Something weird is going to happen here. So, this episode, man, we don't have a duel, but so much goes on in this episode. <laughs> that I'm like, was it only 20 minutes? Like, there's so much stuff happening. That's how I felt like in the last episode. Um, mm. my notes are that, uh, the most important note of all is that Akio can bake a cake. That's true. He can bake a cake, which not many guys can, according <laughs> to Utena and Wakaba. Uh, but I bet you it was just Anthe who did it because Akio is a piece of shit. <laughs> the only things that Anthe has made before is like tea and shaved ice. She does not cook very often. She did make that one lunch that one time, but that was just like fried chicken and like other candy. Was she the one who mixed that curry that exploded? Like, yes. Oh no. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, there was a lot of moments finally that. You know, makes sense that this episode is written by Yoji uh, Anokido because, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, yo, I got to come back for a story episode. Here I am. <laughs> for the real important shit. I'm here. He's just like, you guys had your fun. I'm back. <laughs> well, Akio saved Utena from the school staff that we hadn't met before. A guidance We've counselor. seen the woman before. She Have was we? yelling at Utena in the very first episode to wear Oh, that uh, was so long uniform. ago. If we were watching that weekly, that was 30 weeks ago. We wouldn't <laughs> remember she her. Was, she was also yelling at 
jury? No, not a jury. As somebody else in that first jury episode. I don't know. She shows well, up from here and here and there. There was, and then there was that guy who is like a principal or who knows? vice principal, I vice, think. Oh, vice principal. So Akio saves her because Utena was being criticized for wearing male uniform in a, what should be a female uniform school, mm-hmm. um, going against the grain there. And Akio's just like, "Hey, baby, let me take care of you and get you out of here." <laughs> you mean, you know, that happens. Uh, Wakaba, uh, they're like weasels her way into it to try to go on a date with Akio too. Yeah, and she gets away with it. She actually goes on a car ride, which like, if anybody makes it out of this series alive, which would probably be like Wakaba, mm-hmm. you know, she'll probably look back at these days and be like, I remember that time he took me on a ride in his awesome car. His awesome car. It was just the best day ever, <laughs> and you know, like the sun was setting. It was just amazing. Like I'm in love. You know. Uh, <laughs> I feel <laughs> like that's that's Wakaba for you. <laughs> but yeah. actually, Wakaba's point, the whole point of Wakaba in this episode is like, Utena criticizes Wakaba for having feelings for Akio when Utena actually has feelings for him. Yep, classic projection. Classic. I um, mean, Wakaba's clearly trying to get in Akio's pants too, but... I guess so. Like, this show goes from like one level to another where it's like so innocent and you have to remember that these people are like what in like middle school to like high like school 14 or 15 like that middle yeah. school to high school age and then like all of a sudden there's just car ride scene and clothes are falling off and i'm like oh halo i mean <laughs> i guess that's just what's happening in this but uh yeah um they're definitely not shying away from like the sensuality of the episodes anymore. No, um, they've been hitting that pretty hard for the last five or six episodes. Ooh, yeah, uh, definitely highlighting that. Ever since that car showed up, zoom zoom. <laughs> <laughs> well, you gotta you gotta drive the car to make out point. Oh my god, <laughs> what the hell is end of the world doing out there? <laughs> he wants a smoochy smoochy. End of the world is just like a cliff. Like, literally, it's the end of the world, and this is a cliff. Yeah. The last episode prediction, Utena has to decide to go down the cliff to save Anthe, because Akio <laughs> threw Anthe off the cliff, realizing she Spoilers. was useless. Hey, hey, I don't know what actually happens at the end of that. That would be horrible if I was right. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. So, so, what else you got? Utena got hurt, because she slow motion did, like, a slam dunk into a, a basketball <laughs> net. She saw, she saw Akio up in the, the windows of the school. Mm-hmm. Gets distracted, gets hurt. He, uh, Akio takes her for a ride to the hospital, apparently. And uh, we skip ahead to he Them drops getting her. home. Yeah, getting home. And he's like, oh, this is my moment to just lay you back in this car and kiss you and touch your foot and steal your shoe. Right. Well, we've had this whole thing going on of, you know, of course, she is conflicted of whether or not to give in to her love of him and then we've had this visual metaphor of the three candle candelabra and every time that she's tested the wind picks up and we've had flames going out and i believe when she he finally kisses her it's the second flame that goes out i mean it's just a really good visual storytelling of like showing this person's resolve of like i'm not gonna do the thing that uh, is wrong oops i'm giving in yeah well there's a bedtime moment again where Utena and Anthea are there and I was like oh my god they're not holding hands well eventually they hold hands uh, right Anthea reveals that there is someone that she loves 
Mm-hmm. Doesn't say who it is. She has her own prince. That's right. I wonder who it is. <laughs> it's probably the actual prince. Dun, dun, dun. And not Akio. We also had in our previous episodes uh, her wanting to tell Utena something of like, the truth is, right. never mind. Yeah, that did happen in the be- near the beginning of episode 29, just before this. Mm. And it happened once before that, too. Um, yes. And then... Go ahead. What are have, you going to say? Well, you probably have some kind of observation there, but I was going to jump ahead to Kanai comes back. Mm. But... I was going to bring up the... Um, when Uch and I went for the car ride uh, with Akio... Uh, she's like, oh, Anthe can come too. And he says, oh, no, she can't. Don't you remember what your friend Wakaba said? That three is a crowd when it comes to a date. Anyway, right. bye, Anthe. And then just her with the reflecting glasses. Bye-bye. Yeah, they actually... <laughs> and the kiss, which then we have Anthe in the background glowing glasses holding the candelabra. Oh, man. See, I didn't... <laughs> I was just looking at her eyes because she's done this like three or four times now. Mm-hmm. Where she's had these like glowing eyes, like Gendo Ikari, freaking like spotlight in her eyes type thing, like yep. shining the glasses, and it's getting creepier. I, <laughs> I think that's that's the intended effect. So I'm glad that it's working. I don't, I don't, I'm not like creeped out. I'm just concerned that something bad's gonna happen. <laughs> but Kanai shows up. We haven't seen her since episode one of the Black Rose arc. Yeah, that was a while ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And 15 if, episodes, I believe. And I guess they finally make sense of why she doesn't show up too often. It's because Akio doesn't make time for her at all. Um, yeah. She actually says that, basically. <laughs> She's like, this is the only time I can find you, in the morning. Because you're gone riding in your car all night long. <laughs> shirtless. <laughs> shirtless with other dudes. <laughs> riding People, around with the boys. Yeah, and the girls. Like, I... I don't know what's going on with you, buddy, but uh, I'm pretty pissed off, so I brought my mom with me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's... I just just wrote my note. Kanai comes back with her mom, which Akio totally fucks. (laughs) That's all I I got. So he's, he's asking, you know, how's your husband doing? And aren't I doing a good job of being the chairman and keeping your daughter happy? Oh, let's fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like, it reminds me of Akio. I mean, I don't really know how old Akio is, but he was totally like getting it on with every single character, like most female characters in this series. He also was getting it on with Soji's love interest. Was it Chico? I forget. I, I, I'm going with a name that I originally got wrong for her. Oh, Tokiko? Um, Tokiko, yeah. Like, I, isn't there a moment where, like, Soji sees him with her? Like, Akio with her? Like, it's like, they just keep implying all of these things that he just... He's such a playboy. And even Utana calls him out on it. Like, mm-hmm. she knows, because it's such a... Con- so, the whole point of all of this is that it's conflicting internal, like turmoil for her because she has feelings for the prince like she's been in love with the prince whoever that is and having feelings for someone else other than the prince is just so against her so um Mm -hmm. well anyways mom shows up from kanai and uh that's it close the shades anthe's probably Mm. there just watching who knows right good times but 
Yeah, so then it's uh, Utena has come to the conclusion that, yep, she loves Akio now, and that's how it is. Utena? You mean like so Utena does? Like, that's is that solid? She's, I thought she was still conflicted, so I, I mean, see, she's at the she's at her you know desk in class, and all she's thinking about is Akio, and uh, all of the candle uh, flames have gone out. Her she has no resolve anymore. Like obviously she's still torn up for things, but I, I think she's given into the truth that like, yep, I've definitely got feelings for him. Yeah. Yeah, but there's going to be a moment. I don't. Hmm. So if there's a couple more episodes of this, I don't think we'll right. get a resolution on that until the last episode of this arc. But yes, it seems like obviously there's these feelings, uh, but I'm pretty sure she's going to keep her feelings to the prince. And maybe the arc will end on that and we'll move into the final arc which hopefully Yoji and Okita wrote every episode of. It's just all story. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I mean, well, I guess we'll find out soon. Right, exactly. I'm actually going to look it up right now, and I'm not going to tell you, but I'm going to see how many of these are written by Yoji and Okita. Um, boop, boop, boop. Oh, okay. Um, it seems... Well, I won't tell you. <laughs> if you don't want to know. I mean, it's. I guess the staff isn't going to be that big of a thing. Out of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine episodes remaining, mm-hmm. Yoji in- in- uh, Enokido does one, two, three, four, five. Um, and reading that correctly, one, two, three. Four. Yes, so yeah. he does the majority of the remaining ones. <laughs> yeah. And it looks like Nanami's in the next one. It's going to actually be like a serious Nanami episode, it looks like. Because um, mm. apparently she's moving in, so... Right. That uh, sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> It'll be interesting. I will say that the next episode of this podcast, we will be covering episodes 31, 32, and 33, which is uh, the rest of the Akio Otori arc before we move into the last one. So uh, strap in, because we've got uh, a climax coming your way uh, in a bright red car. Oh my god. Vroom vroom. Vroom 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 in my Otar my Otori Academy car. Is that's probably Which, Kanai's dad's car. Like who Right, uh, it's a company car. I mean uh, you know, Utana even mentions like, oh, it's that car and he's like, Oh, what about it? She's like, I've seen it around a lot. Like, oh, it's a popular model. Like, no, it's got specific branding on it. It's got the rose symbol. It says Otori on the freaking license plate. It's that one. Don't lie. I I just don't know what's going to go on with this series. Like, it'd be funny if, I mean, it'd be funny if, like, Akio's arc just ends and we go into something else that's, like, less Akio. But, I mean, <laughs> at this point, that doesn't make sense. It's It has to be that it's going to continue with him being, like, a villain. But it'd be interesting if they revealed End of the World sooner than later and then we get an attempted resolution arc or something, but I feel like, who knows, right. folks? Well, with your other uh, predictions we have here, uh, you had added a new one while you were watching this third episode, which is the Shadow Girls. You are now saying that Anthe is the one controlling them. You know what? That seemed to me, for some reason, this, like, this... This feeling, this vision, like, appeared to me that um, (laughs) I just feel like she's a really sad character and uh, that she has no outlet and she really doesn't have any connection to others. So if she's being forced to be a puppet, she's actually, like, 
psychologically and emotionally using puppetry or something to to mm. reenact these moments. Um, it would be interesting if they revealed that. I don't even know if we'll ever get a reveal if it's just like a series thing. Um, that, you know, this is like, oh, it's just a staple of Utena that every episode we have puppetry. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it to, it, to me, it, it could be like an outlet for Anthe. That would make sense to me. So... I think uh, I think that's good. Yeah. We didn't really get a lot of end of the world here this time, other than the possibility that it's a, a makeout location. Uh, <laughs> that's the big deal there. Oh man! You still had said that there's one more episode of Nanami left, and we see that uh, she is definitely a focus of the next episode. So it seems but to I'm be sure. a more serious episode because we usually right. get like we usually get some kind of episodes where. They're completely off the walls, like bonkers episodes right. with Nanami being filler. And then we get like Suwabaki coming in and it, it kind of like br- brings it down a notch to be more serious. But mm-hmm. I don't know if we didn't see Suwabaki again, I'd probably be fine with that. Um, <laughs> I, I, actually, I mean, I kind of I, I appreciate where they're coming from with his character just being right. like this naive young boy. But but we already have a Mickey, you know? He's already the naive young boy. He's naive, but he's so naive in a different way. So, like, Suwabaki is your typical animal, uh, animal, anime. He's like your typical anime um, naive boy, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, We see a lot of that trope where, like, the young boy, like, falls in love and it's just like he's way too young. And then, like, 20 years later, he actually marries the girl because age doesn't matter anymore. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, but when it comes to Miki, Miki's situation is, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I never really liked Kozue's thing, like with him, anyways. It, I just feel like Miki is just like another sad piece of this puzzle. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as a as a sad sad puzzle. Um, and we'll leave on the sad note. So great, thank you, people, for listening. We're coming to a close on the Akio Otori arc, so. Uh, get excited for the next episode and make sure that you have watched those ones for next time. Do your homework. So that way we can all be on the same page. Oh, yeah. Uh, thank you to our sponsors. And uh, hey, uh, what do you got to say about where people can find you? They can find me on the internet, uh, Hot Anime Vlogger. And I did some thinking that the place I'm most active is typically on Instagram. Mm. So... Instagram is where I usually get my stuff out there in the open and sometimes on go. TikTok. Get that man on Instagram and TikTok. That's Woo-hoo. where you'll find him. Uh, you can find me on the internet at Saber underscore Breaker. Normally Twitter. I don't really go much anywhere else. I mean, I use TikTok, but I don't really make videos. I'm just there to consume. But yeah, that's kind of it. So thank you. Uh, please subscribe to the show. Tell your friends. Tell all your your best Utena friends about it and, and enjoy it. Start conversations. It's a good time. Uh, and uh, we'll check you all next time. Take care. Vroom, vroom. Theme song, Zettai Unmei Moko Shiroku, provided by Astrophysics. You can find their music on Bandcamp and YouTube, or follow them on Twitter at Astrosynth.